0: Well, today we're gonna to be continuing on our message series, making the most of every every opportunity as we're t- trying to do a little hopscotch through the letter in Ephesians that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And today we're gonna to be talking about our relationship with the church and how we can make the most of every opportunity in that. But I need to start by asking ourselves a question: what is the church to you? I mean, Ultimately, so many times we come with different expectations and viewpoints of what the church is. And so let's be real. What is the church for you? You know, for many people, church is this facility. It's a place they physically go to. But maybe the church is more than that. For some, the church has really just become a social club. And I think for many decades within our own culture and our own climate, that's what the church has become. But I believe there has to be more than that because social clubs are a dime a dozen. I mean, you can find social clubs all over the place. There has to be more than that because the church is not a building. It's not a social club. I believe that the Bible teaches us that the church is God's strategy for reaching the world. That is what the church is. And the church, the word church that we get today is actually from the Greek word ekklesia. And ekklesia is defined as an assembly or the called out ones. And the root meaning of church is not a building. It's the people. It's the people. You see, to put this all together, the church is the gathering of the called out ones. That's what we are. That's what we're all about. We're we're here for something bigger than us. We're here for something more than who we are. There's something different about us. We are members of the called out ones. And so, I guess the question is what does that mean for you personally? What does that mean for you in your personal journey as you strive to identify what church is to you? And even more importantly, what is your part in this gathering? What is your role as an individual? You know, in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse verse 1, Paul puts it this way. He writes, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. I think about that phrase quite often, to live a life worthy. And if you're like me, you get kind of nervous with that phrase because you think about, what is that? How, can I really live up to that? Can I really be a person that is worthy? I think of, I'm from like the 90s SNL with Wayne and Garth. You know, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. That's, that's what I feel like I'm doing all the time. I'm not good enough. I don't own, I, I, I can't add up to it that I'm not worthy. And the reality is, I mean, none of us are. We're only worthy because of what God did on the cross, sending his son. But here's the thing. Being worthy is not perfection. So let me encourage you for just a moment. Stop equating that with trying to be perfect. You will never be perfect. None of us will. So stop trying to act like it. There has to be something different with what Paul's saying here. Worthy is not perfection. Because in this moment, Paul's kind of turning a corner. He's kind of turning the page a little bit and saying, as members of this gathering, as members of this called out ones, There's something more. You see, living a life that's worthy, is the standard. It's the standard. It's not perfection, but there's a standard that we're all striving for. There's a standard that we're all trying to live by, to achieve, to be. And to be honest, to live a life worthy means every day of my life, I'm doing everything I can to take one step closer to that standard. That standard what God calls me to be. In fact, in the very next verse, uh, two verses, Paul identifies what those standards are. He talks about we need to be hum- humble. We need to be gentle. We need to be patient and loving. And we need to do everything we can to fight for unity. That's the standard that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4. That's the standard of what it means to live a life worthy. We need to be people who who practice humility. We need to be people who are gentle with other people, even with those that we disagree with. We need to be patient with others, even when they are messing our day up and turning our day upside down. We need to show patience. We need to be loving and we need to do everything we can possibly within ourselves to strive for unity. You know, I believe what breaks the heart of God the most is disunity. I believe Satan's greatest tactics that he strives to do is create disunity because he knows he can destroy the mission if disunity can happen. I mean, if he can bring disunity within our homes, if he can break up marriages and break up family units, he wins. And he does the same thing within the church. If he can break up the disunity, the unity within the church, he wins. And so Satan's ultimate goal is disunity to send us into chaos in our homes and then within our church family as well, within the gathering of the called out ones. That's why Paul says, live a life that's worthy, strive to reach the standard, be humble, be gentle, be patient, be loving, fight for unity, fight for unity. That's what he talks about. That's the standard that we need to go, to go for. It's not perfect. But it's the lifestyle that we should try to, to fight for. The lifestyle that we should constantly be taking, taking steps every day to get closer and closer to. You see, in this gathering, we are called for a purpose. We're called for a purpose. We must understand that as we grow in Christ, we identify our role in this gathering. We have a role in this body, in this church. We're not just coming here to hang out and make friends. and Boy, that was great this morning. We're here for a purpose. Every one of you in this place and online are here for a purpose. God called you for a reason to be a part of this gathering. God called you for something bigger than yourself, myself too. We all have a calling, and in that calling, we are gifted. You've been gifted. If you're not really sure what I mean by that, a few weeks ago we were doing a message series in the Together We Rise series. We talked about our giftedness and, and our ministry and how God called us to that. And I encourage you to, to go online and you can go to our YouTube page to find that message to to grow to, to identify what that means for you more. But every one of us are here for a reason. And Paul puts it this way in verse 12 of Ephesians 4. He writes that we're called for a purpose to equip his people For works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Please don't miss this. Let me read it again. We are here to build each other up, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ, the gathering of the called out ones, may be built up. You exist. And I exist within this body to build each other up so that, unity, so that we can be unified for a mission to make a difference in this world. You see, we have a purpose individually to build up the collective body. That's what we're called to do. That's what this is all about. I'm not just here to be buddy, buddy. I'm here to build each other up. You're here to build each other up. You Don't forget the standard that Paul talks about, living a life that's worthy. We have a responsibility to strive for that, to be people of that. And when we function in unity, we become efficient in the mission that Christ called us to. That's the purpose. That's the strategy that God gave to us. You know, one of the most amazing phenomenons in nature are the flying V geese. I mean, don't you love looking up in the sky as winter approaches? And you see the geese doing their flying V formation. I mean, there's so many times I wish I just had a lasso. I could lasso them up and they would just take me south because I know what's about to come, especially on days like this. You know, but it's truly amazing. This is a, an amazing thing and the geese have learned so much and I think in their formations they can teach us the importance of what, the, what being unified is all about. Because the flying V is done in such a a strategic fashion to support each other. That's what it's all about. It's every goose understanding their role in the team to support the rest of the team so that they can get south. And they realize that when they fly together in a V, they can fly 70% further on the same amount of energy if they flew alone. And so that's where the formation came to be. And every once in a while, younger geese will fly off and try to be the, be the big tough guys and girls that they are. And they try to say, I'm going to make it on my own. And they quickly realize, boy, I can't do it on my own. And they quickly come back in the formation. They realize the importance of the formation. And through this journey, they, we can learn so much from them. You see, throughout their journey, they're constantly rotating roles. They're like utility players. They're there for each other. Sometimes one's the leader, sometimes they're in the back of the pack, and they're constantly rotating roles so that they can support each other and help each other on the journey. And then also from there, they they honk at each other. And did you ever realize what they're doing when they're honking? They're communicating. You know what the greatest way to bring unity within the team is better communication. The more we can communicate well with each other, well within the gathering of the called out ones, the more unified we can become and the more we can accomplish. And another amazing thing about these geese, when they fly in the V, is every so often one of the geese becomes sick or they become injured and they fall out of the formation and they have to go down because they just can't keep up. And whenever that happens, two geese will leave the formation to go with that goose, to stay by its side, to support that goose until it is either better to get return or until it dies. And they will not leave the side of that goose until one of the two happens. You know, there's some lessons that we can learn from the geese. Some very important lessons. And I guess the challenge for us today is I think we need to be geese. I think it's time for you to be a goose. You didn't think you'd be hearing that today, did you? (laughs) But if we want to be strong for the mission to support each other, we need to act like geese. We need to fight for unity, we need to fly together. We need to understand our role within the gathering of the called out ones, but also willing to transition our roles from time to time when we need to support the team because the mission is bigger than me. We need to fight for better communication always with each other. We can always communicate better with each other within, within our relationships as well as teams. We need to take on the responsibility to build each other up. When one person falls, it should be our responsibility to be by their side until they are back up and can rejoin the crowd. You see, we need to be geese. We need to fly together. And the more we fly together, the more great things that God will do, not just through you individually, but through the collective body. That's what the church is. But here's the problem. That tends to to stall our faith, that tends to slow us down, that disables our ability to really fly in the formation of the, as the collective body. You see, we start getting swayed by outside influences, by the culture leanings, by the culture influences around us, or by other teachers, or, or other things, or YouTube fads, fads, or whatever it may be, and we get so swayed back and forth by outside influences, we don't even know what is truth, or what is right, or what is wrong, or where I stand, and we're so confused, and it pulls us away from being able to fly in unison the way we're called to fly. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 14. He writes, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Christ. Do you catch it? What our personal goal is? Our personal goal is maturity in our faith. Now, I know we don't like to talk about that. We don't like to talk about spiritual maturity. That's the boring stuff, right? But that's ultimately our goal. Our goal is spiritual maturity. And spiritual maturity is reflected in the tone of the person that you are. That's where spiritual maturity is is understood and realized. You see, my friends, as followers of Christ, we are called to be the tone setters the world needs. We are the ones who should be setting the tone in our world, not being swayed by the world. That's what we're called to be. But see, the world just knocks us around. It knocks us around pretty good. And oftentimes we're being pulled in so many different directions. We're just left standing with, what is even truth anymore? What is true? What should I believe? Where should I stand? You know, I recently read a great article in the Christian Standard by Tyler McKenzie. The article was, was, uh, auth- was uh, titled Truth and Tone. He wrote... One of the most disorienting realities of living in the United States today is not knowing where to go for truth. I guess the question we need to ask ourselves, where do you go for truth? What truth sways you? Is it politicians? Is it the media? Is it Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or Google searches? Or is it the church? Or is it the church? You see, the irony is this we have more access to content and commentary than ever before, but we have the least amount of trust in all of history. And we get swayed all over the place. And the problem in our society has found its way within the churches that trust has completely eroded. And it's broken down. A recent study in 2018 by the Pew Research Center cited these statistics. They said 75% of Americans say trust in the federal government is shrinking. 64% say trust in other Americans is shrinking. 61% say you cannot trust the news media only 18% of people between the ages of 30 and 49 have have a high level of personal trust and only 11% of people ages 18 to 29 have a high level of personal trust this statistic my friends makes the generation z the least trusting generation in american history that's scary that's scary And here I'm here to tell you, truth is truth, whether you feel you trust the source or not. Truth is not focused on our feelings. It's, It's focused on the objective of reality. You know, most sociologists argue that we are the first culture ever to reflect the idea that instead of believing truth is located at a fixed reference point outside of us, that we believe the truth is settled somewhere within us. And this is completely opposite from what the scripture teaches us. Completely opposite what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus is truth. John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get to the Father except through me. Truth is found in God's word. He's the fixed point that we need to lean on. This means that truth is not contingent on our feelings. The track record of the truth teller in front of us or the sways of popular opinion Truth is truth. But understand this, our tone matters. Our tone matters. And the scary thing is that while many of us stand on truth, we're delivering the truth in a horrible way. We're set in horrible, bad tones. Tone matters. This does not change the reality that trust is a vital prerequisite to embracing the truth. Especially when our ideas of what we think is truth is challenged. But the extent of which people are open to what we say and what you say is directly correlated with their, per- their level of personal trust with you and with us. Our tone matters. In our world, I fear and I, I, I'm broken to be honest, has become like the Wild West in so many ways, in social media and and news outlets and everything else. it's, It's all about who can we beat down and beat up more and more because we disagree with them on different levels. And here's the problem. Too often, we, as followers of Christ, we, as gatherers of the called out ones, how we treat people matters. And too often, we tend to treat people no differently than the way the world treats us. And I'm here to tell you, there should be a difference with us. There should be a difference with us. People should see something different with us in how we treat them, how we respond to circumstances of life when, when life doesn't go my way, when there's a bad day, when, when, I, when I'm Uh, communicating with people that I may disagree with there should be something different in my tone in my attitude how I reflect Jesus there should be something different in me and sadly there tends to be two there tends not to be much of a difference in us than those outside of Christ and because of this we treat people not with the heart of Jesus but with the immaturity of our own heart and we gotta be careful with that my friends Because we are called to build each other up. But yet sometimes even within the church family, we just beat each other down. Not because of the lack of truth, but because our tone is off. Our tone is off. And this pours out so often in so many of our relationships that we rather than building each other up, we tear each other down. And personal trust with each other is broken because of the tone of our lives. You see, truth being revealed is so much about the tone that we bring. Paul put it this way in Ephesians 4, verse 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to make new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul says that we are called to put off our old self, our old uh, lifestyles, our old attitudes, and put on our new self. In other words, this is the tone of who we are. You know, putting our new self, putting on our new self means there should be a difference in us. When people see us, they should see something different within who we are and the, and the lifestyles that we live and the attitudes that we bring. There should be a difference in how we respond to when life doesn't go our way. There should be a difference in how we treat people and how we respond to them, even when we may disagree with them. You see, at the end of Ephesians 4, Paul identifies the key elements of the standards we need to strive for, of the tones that we should be setting as our new selves in Christ. Verse 25, he says, We should be people who are honest. In verse 26 through 27, he talks about how we should control our anger and not allow our anger to cause us to make poor choices. In verse 28, he says we should not steal or rip people off, that we should share with others with what we have. In verse 29, he says that we should stop all unwholesome talk, that we should use our words to build others up, rather than tearing them down. In verse 31, he says that we should get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, slandering, fighting, and malicious attitudes. On the flip side, our lives should reflect, in verse 32, kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. These are the tones that we should be reflected in our life that opens up the doors for truth to be revealed, to build each other up. What tone are we setting? You see, ultimately, this is what it means to show love. This is what love is all about. It's reflecting the tone of who we are. And love builds trust. Love builds other people up around us. And love opens the door for for truth to be heard. It's about our tone. It's about our tone. And ultimately, love is revealed through sacrifice. Jesus was the greatest example of sacrifice when he sacrificed his own life for us on the cross. You know, sacrifice is a willingness to put ourselves aside, our wants, our desires, what we feel may be best for us for the sake of what's best for somebody else. That's sacrifice. That's what Jesus did for us. And that's the example he challenges us to live by. Paul writes this in the first couple verses of Ephesians 5. Follow God's example therefore as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus was the example of love and sacrifice that opened the door for truth to be revealed. What tone are you setting? What tone do you exhibit to those around you? Whether it's within the church body of building other, others up or tearing each other down or in your workplace or in your community or on social media, what tone do you set? Because it matters. It really matters. What are you willing to give up for the sake of somebody else? Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's your resources. Maybe it's something else. But what are you doing to build others up, to sacrifice for others so that the collective body may be the light that God called us to be? Paul says in this verse that we are to be a fragrant offering. In other words, when we walk by people, are their noses like overwhelmed with a stench of who we are? Are they just blown away by the beauty of God's goodness that's portrayed through the people that we are. That's being the fragrant offering. That's the standard that we are striving for. That's the tone that we're called to set. And this is the path towards wisdom. The Bible talks a lot about being what people who are wise, that we should seek wisdom. You know, wisdom is not your level of knowledge. That's not wisdom. It's not about how much you know. It's about what you do with what you know. That's wisdom. How you strive for the standard. How you focus the next step. Like today, I made a big mistake, but tomorrow I'm going to take one step closer to Jesus. That's wisdom. I'm going to respond to this person even though they really upset me. Even though they messed up my day. I want to respond well to them. That's wisdom. Wisdom is the person that you are, the lifestyle that you live, the standard that you live with, how well you fly in the formation, how well you build others up. You see, ultimately, wisdom is revealed in what you do with the opportunities that you have. That's wisdom. And every day, every relationship that you have within this church and outside the church are moments of opportunities to reflect wisdom, to set the tone, to be the example, to fight and strive for the standard that God called us to be. It's about the tone that we set. It's about what we do with the opportunities that we have. And every one of us has them every single day. Every day. This whole series is centered around this verse in Ephesians 5 verses 15 to 16, where Paul writes, be, caref- be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. You see, every day is an opportunity. Every time you come to church, you go to growth group or you serve on a ministry team or you reach out to someone from church is an opportunity to build other people up. We are the gathering of the called out ones. Striving to live by the standard that God called us to live by. To be people who are uh, humble, gentle, patient, loving, who fight for unity. We are called to to set the tone in this world. And so how are you doing that? And I'm just going to challenge you right now. Every one of us always has a next step in our journey. And I'm going to challenge you right now to identify for you personally, what is that next step? Maybe it's to be better at being a person of humility or patient or how you talk to people or whatever it might be. What's that next step for you? Or maybe you need to come into a full relationship with Jesus. You never experienced what that is. You never experienced the life that he provides, the sacrifice that he gave for you. What's your next step? Don't wait. It's time to take the step. If you need to talk to somebody about where you are at and the next step that you need to take, at the end of the service there will be an elder or Engage Impact or there will be someone online for those of you online that you can talk to right now. But please, don't leave until you talk to somebody to take that next step. How you can come closer to living by the standard to to be what God called us to be. To build each other up and to build ourselves up as well. To experience the fullness of who He is and how much He loves you. Also, if this is your first time here and you just wanna learn more about who we are as a church, one of the elders will be back at Engage Impact as well for what we call Impact and Five to give you a quick overview of who, what we're all about. And someone online can help you guys out as well. But don't leave today until, you're, until you identify what that next step is. And let's take that step and let's see what God will do within each of us as his individuals and what he will do through the collective body of the church. Let's pray. Father, we, th- we just thank you We thank you because you always go before us and you pave the way with your goodness and your love and your sacrifice. And Lord, may we follow your example. May we strive for your standard to live a life worthy that every single day that we take one step closer to you and that through our lives, through our attitudes, through how we interact with other people, through the opportunities that we have, that we can set the tone of your goodness and your love and that we can be instrumental at building each other up and reflecting your love and your truth. We thank you so much. And Lord, I pray for each person here with us and each person online that we can all take one step closer to you today. It's in your name we pray, amen. Amen.